Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Polly talking about step one. Hi, I'm Polly, I'm an alcoholic. This is daunting, isn't it? Um, I'll just give you a little bit of information about me first. Um, I started drinking very, very young and I came from a really dysfunctional family so um, that's not the reason for my drinking, for my alcoholism. Um, It's just I'm an alcoholic and I still don't know why. I think it's... um, I've just got the lucky lucky, um, show bag, I think. Um, My drinking started at a really young age. I started at the age of seven. Um, I I should preface that by saying that my um, alcohol to me was always... Um, or I had two solutions to my life. Um, there was alcohol or there was um, in my life. That's the way things ran with me. And um, usually that was because I was... I just felt that I was in so much pain, and I can only say that in in hindsight, um, that I needed something to get rid of all the feelings that I had because I couldn't share the feelings. I just felt alone and um, no one understood me, and no one, um, yeah, no one understood me. I didn't understand me at all. So my drinking began um, at a young age when I noticed in my mum, who um, was an alcoholic as well, I noticed that she would, when she'd come home from work, and she'd be filthy with the world and cranky, and you know she had nine kids, so there's one reason to be cranky. Um, she would have a drink. And then she'd sort of calm the farm a little bit. And I could relate to that on some weird level that, you know, all of a sudden she was, you know, the the nice mum. So I started, um, you know, when my weird head would go, I started um, getting her little tonic water bottles from the fridge and putting gin in the top and then putting holes in the top of the bottle and taking that to bed. And that was my way of dealing with feelings. It helped me go to sleep. And it was a learnt behaviour, I think, I'm pretty sure. But um, it was an escape. It was an escape from what was going on internally. And uh, I didn't have to think. And that was really peaceful, not having to think. And I've sought that solution forever. Um, I haven't wanted to deal with feelings. And um, I haven't... I've just wanted to run and to hide. And my alcoholism really took hold as, um, as a young woman... I got up to, you know, all sorts of no good and, you know, many walks of shame at five o'clock in the morning and um, my, you know, so there was sporadic moments of out of control and then I'd, you know, bring it in and I had good jobs and a really successful career, had my children and then after I'd sort of moved to... I'm just sort of skipping along a bit because I don't want to waste too much time... Um, after I had um, moved to Sydney with my then-husband and my first-born child, I felt that all those feelings of isolation and, you know, I didn't know anyone, all my family are here and everything I knew was here, um, I really hit the bottle. I mean, you know, we, had, we were doing okay, so my husband, in all his specialness, um, organised a nanny, so then I had nothing to do and nowhere to be in the day. So I would literally go and sit in the car looking at the view of the harbour 
drinking. So, you know, that's not, that's not an ideal outcome. And my drinking did get a lot worse from that. Um, my, my attempts at rehabilitation, I must say that most of them were not um, my attempts. They were attempts that um, were pushed onto me by or suggestions they weren't suggestions I was told very clearly to get to freaking rehab and I did that four times um in Melbourne before I moved away I'd been to rehab on a couple of occasions and I'd had my first psych unit experience through a suicide attempt while intoxicated um and then I, when I moved back from Sydney, while I was, whilst I was in Sydney, I started getting really unwell um, after the you know, divorce and stuff like that. I was just really unwell and I'd gone a really pretty shade of yellow, like a, you know, my skin was like a, you know, a yellow highlighter, a new one, and my eyes were like glow-in-the-dark yellow and I didn't realise that I was really sick until um, I woke up in hospital after being in a coma due to liver failure for over a week and um, I wasn't supposed to make it and my family had organised to... They'd already um, taken the steps to organise to retrieve my body from Sydney and organise my funeral. So it was... I'm guessing I was pretty unwell. Um, (laughs) That didn't stop me from drinking. Um, I came back to Melbourne with my children and I relapsed six months after that and then went to rehab in Melbourne and then relapsed after that. Um, then drank drove, so that was clearly a relapse. Um, and I went back into rehab. And I stayed sober for, I don't know, I think it was six or seven months and um, but I still had all that, all the feelings, you know. I still had all that absolute. Um, I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know myself. I didn't know who I was, and I was just immensely sad. And I couldn't get out of, you know. I could put on a front and be the funniest girl at the table, or whatever you want me to be, I'll be, because then you might like me. Um, but I couldn't get out of the sadness and the desire to escape. From myself, um, my last drink was twenty uh, eighth of March. No, it wasn't twenty eighth of January, two thousand and what year is it? Sixteen, two thousand and fifteen. And at that time, there are two people in the room here who saw me on that day, and I'm sure they're not smiling about that. Um, there was I ended up in a relapse. I went to the bottle shop in my car, which of which I'd lost my licence, and my son told my sister about that, and then next thing you know, my family's there taking the children from me. So in, um, in a quick succession, I lost my house, my children, and my life as I knew it. So I thought, well, I may as well drink, and I did. I had a couple of bottles of vodka, I think, in a, a breakfast session, and um, then I had two people that are very dear to me come over and tell me, because I, I think I spoke to one of them and I said, I'm fine. You know how you're fine when you're off your nana? So um, I ended up going to the lovely hospital in um, St Vincent's and while I was there I took an overdose in emergency and then I went on to the psych unit, which was lovely. But the, the great thing the psych unit gave me was... Um, 
time. It gave me time to get to know myself. And, you know, um, people would come in and see me and they'd say, well, at least you're not as bad as these people. And I'd say, no, I'm a lot worse than these people. At least they've got a mental issue that's, you know, on its own, stands on its own right. Um, anyway, that was that's sort of my story. And I've been sober since I got out of the psych unit. I ended up in a halfway house, which is the best thing that I could have done. Um, talk about going from, you know, I went from, you know, a nice, comfortable house in Kew to a psych unit in Murrumbina, which Murrumbina is a great place, but I mean, not a psych unit, what's it called? A halfway house. And I survived that and um, got my my uh, Mikey card and off I went. And I made sure I committed myself to doing the steps seeing my sponsor on a regular basis, talking to my sponsor on a regular basis and going to meetings and doing service. And I've done that ever since and I don't plan on stopping that because that's what's working. And um, I love that that's working because it's a very... That's my life now and I love it. Um, on to step one, admitting we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. I didn't get that. I didn't understand the powerlessness. I thought that, of course I can stop drinking. And then after a few drinks, I'd say, of course I can stop drinking. And that happened um, for, you know, when I really seriously got into recovery, it kept on happening until um, the last time, which was when I ended up in the psych unit um, back last year. Um, So powerless over alcohol, absolutely, and I get that. I get that. You know, I have the the craving and I have the obsession. And once I put one drink into my system, I cannot stop. And, you know, I still have thoughts today about a drink, like, you know, for no reason. As you said in your presentation, David, you know, it could be because it's sunny or it could be just because, because, you know. Thoughts still come into my head, but I can now tag those with um, the consequences and know the actual, what the outcome will be. And it's not pretty because I've seen myself in videos. Um, About, um, that didn't sound good, not those sort of videos. Um, Our lives had become unmanageable. My life was completely unmanageable. And it was unmanageable in the ways that I hear in the rooms. You know, I can't pay bills. um, I can't cook properly for my kids. I can't do the day-to-day things. But the most... Where I identify with the most unmanageability is the the unmanageability, is that the word, to um, not not control my thoughts but to not be able to... Um, isolate one thought from another and not being able to manage my thoughts in a way that, you know, is normal, whatever normal is, but it's my thoughts. I couldn't manage what was going on in my head. You know, I'd be doing 400 things at once, all really, really badly, you know, um, but it was it was the way I saw myself. It was the way I saw other people. I saw myself as just... Um, damaged goods, um, a bit of an a-hole, a lot of an a-hole, and a failure, and all these things. I had all these um, self-beliefs that were so totally untrue, and I know that today. And I know that I have done some pretty dodgy things in the past in my active alcoholism, but I'm not that person today, and I don't have to be that person today, and I choose not to be that person today. But the, um, the unmanageability in my head and also, I mean, life's 
you know, getting kids to school and to all of, you know, to swimming and to whatever else, um, that's all well and good. But it was just like my own head. I kept on going back to all those old beliefs, you know. Um, so the I had to admit that I was a case and I really needed some help. And that was um, that was my step one experience. I had to... Um, admit to myself that I had this delusional head and that I had a disease that was, you know, as one of my counsellors identified in one of my rehabs, that um, my brain is split in two parts. One part is... um, One part manufactures bullshit and the other part believes it or buys it. And, um, yeah, that's me. Um, and the one that buys it still wants to sometimes because my disease taps me on the shoulder every day in you know some way, shape or form. But I guess now, having owned step one and now living in the um, living in the tranquility, if you like, even though life has lots of freaking dramas, and there's always something else that comes up, and no one told me I'd have feelings, again, like real ones, like not drunk ones. So, you know, that's pretty hard. But now I can actually isolate... Um, I can isolate the stupid ideas that the, that the bullshit manufacturer um, creates, and I can actually not buy those ideas anymore. I've, actually, I've got... Um, through admitting that I'm powerless over alcohol and that, you know, with alcohol, but even without alcohol, my life is unmanageable. So why would I put alcohol into an unmanageable life when I can have a program that works for me when I work for it? If I work my program on a daily basis, and that includes, you know, doing my my prayers, meditation, I'm not that good at, but I'm trying hard to get better at it, Um, speaking with my sponsor on a regular basis, going to meetings, doing service and um, just everything. And prayer, I can't even tell you how... Sorry about that, Paul. Um, my, my life has turned around and in the most spectacular way. I never, ever thought that I could have a life where there is such a strong element of peace in my heart because I've never had that. And it's only through recovery and through having a higher power that I've got that. And I couldn't have got that without getting that. And um, that's where I'm really grateful because I would still be... I don't think I'd still be out there drinking. I'd be dead. And that's, you know, because I've tried that a few times and it seemed to be wanting to work. So thank you for listening to me and um, enjoy the weekend. Thanks. (laughs) 